Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Welcome to Plan for Life Now. I am Steve Kiliani. And I'm Dave Murray. How's everybody doing today? I'm, I, if everybody's just you and me, the only people here in this room, everybody's <laughs> doing just fine. All right, that's good. I'm doing well. It's um, amazing that we were instructed not to do a podcast for three weeks. Who instructed that? Nobody, but well, we're, I'm well, trying to think of an excuse why we haven't done this podcast in a long time. I was at the beach, you know. I went down to Hilton Head. It was a work thing. I had to go. Yeah, I right. had to go. I had no choice. Right. Forced to go. It was one of those conferences. Yeah, it was pretty cool, though, down at Hilton Head. Uh, really nice place. It's a bit of a haul if you're driving down there, though. Can uh, can take some serious time to get there. Right. All right. Well, you didn't tune in here to listen to me talk about my vacation. Um, what we wanted to talk about today was a proposal that came out of the White House last week, and uh, it was from the Office of Personnel Management. Uh, the OPM director uh, sent a proposal over to House Speaker Paul Ryan. Right? right. And we all know that there are <laughs> there have been significant budget deficits uh, over the past well many years, but they've been significant. And we also know that this newest tax cut enacted at the end of last year uh, doesn't do anything to help that. You know, in fact, it makes it $1.5 trillion worse over the next decade. So one of the things that the director of OPM uh, was suggesting was making some changes to the retirement accounts, or I should say the retirement benefits, for some of the $2.6 million federal retirees that are out there. Right. And I know this hits very close to home for a lot of people out there listening because what what would you say half of our clients are federal employees? Something like that. 40, I would 50 percent something maybe? in that range, yeah. Right. You know, and obviously being based in the DC area, that's going to be that's going to dominate, you know, dinner table discussion with family, friends, relatives, whatever. So, here's uh here's a summary and Here's how they position this. They said this brings the federal benefits more in line with the private sector. Right? Right. Now, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna agree to a certain extent there, because if you look at the private sector, right now, less than seven percent of Fortune one hundred companies have a defined benefit pension plan. So it just doesn't exist anymore. You know, right, it's gone, and that's certainly what we see in our practice when we're meeting people. 
in the private sector for the most part. Right. Uh, by the most part, I mean about over 95%. We see no pensions, just 401ks, matches, and exactly. Social Security. Yep. And that's what retirement plans look like nowadays. They're 401ks with matching contributions. So, you know, I will say that when the federal retirement system, you know, was established, that was in line with the private sector. I mean, you went back 30, 40 years ago, it was something like 85% of companies, private companies, had a pension, defined benefit plan. So, in that sense, it is sort of out of line with that. But here we go. Here's, here's what they're recommending. Um, first of all, there is a benefit for FERS employees. So FERS employees are basically people that joined the government after, I think it's 1983 or so. There's a benefit right now that says that if you're eligible for retirement and you retire before the age of 62, they will and 62 is the youngest age that you can collect Social Security, they will pay you what's called a FERS supplement. And it's basically designed to be equal to your Social Security payment to bridge that gap from, let's say you retired at 56, which I think is minimum retirement age in most uh, systems there. Right. Uh, it's designed to bridge that gap to 62. Uh, they're proposing eliminating that. Right. That's something we use with a, a lot of our clients. Oh, yeah. In our, we've, that's, a, that's been a, a helpful tool, Oh, absolutely. certainly in yeah. our planning. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the whole idea is that FERS retirement system is this three-legged stool. But if you retire 56, 57, 58, 60, and you don't have that, that's leaving a little bit of a gap in your three-legged stool there. Um, now, I would probably guess, I mean, I don't have any of these numbers, but I'd probably guess that that affects a relatively small number of people uh, because most people are not retiring at 56 or, you know, something like that. Yeah, but again, as uh, you know, it's anecdotal for you and me in our practice, yeah. but we have run into those cases and it's made the planning easier. It's been a nice uh, benefit for those who want to get out earlier. Yeah, um, and and we can do it. A lot of times, we've been able to make it happen because of that supplement. Yeah. All right. Second big thing that they were recommending, and this has been kicked around for years, is adjusting the way that they calculate the pension to be based on your high five salary instead of your high three. Right. So right now, when they calculate your pension. They look at your highest three years of earnings, average those together, and that's what they base the pension calculation on. So, you know, high five is basically going to dilute that a little bit yeah. for a lot of people. How much do you think that's, I mean, you, this is more in your ballpark than mine. What kind of effect do you think that'll have? I mean, you know, that, I mean, depending if you got some raises or things like that, but I mean, that might only be a two or three percent decrease in a pension. Okay. Well, that's not too bad then. You know, I mean, one of the things that I had a question about when I was reading all of this is, and then I even went and read the actual letter instead of, you know, originally I was just reading the article that was summarizing the letter. I went in and read the letter and it's not real clear about how they're recommending implementing this. You know, would it affect current people? Would it affect 
future people, people retire after a certain date. You know, it doesn't really say that. Because remember, this is just a letter from OPM to Congress saying, hey, these are some changes we think you should make. Well, if it's going to affect people just signing up now, Mm -hmm. then that's not really going to save a lot of money. The kind of money that you know that would be big time not to enact it on everybody. Right now, they're doing what they—I'm assuming—they want to do, which is make up money for this tax cut right. <laughs> that basically is going to create yep. uh, a heck of a lot of debt. Well, and and I guess one hint to to that would be, and I, I think this is somewhere in. Uh, oh yeah, it's right in the, the headline of this article. Um, this would save over the next decade $143 billion. That sounds right. like it's going to be affecting everybody. Right. That That's not something, I hey, you, down the road. You answered your question right there based on yeah. that amount of money. Yeah. What else is in, okay. in store here So before we get to commentary? <laughs> yeah. Well, feel free to throw it in along the way. Um, the next thing, and they've sort of already done this. Um, and the next thing, this is probably one of the easier ones to implement because this really does affect more new people, um, is the amount that you contribute to the FERS retirement system. Right? Originally, employees contributed 0.8% of their pay to the federal retirement system. Then sometime, you know, don't quote me on these dates, sometime a decade or so ago, they changed this to say, okay, now we're going to have, instead of just the FERS system, you're going to have FERS Ray and FERS Bay or you know something like that. And those went from contributing 0.8% to 3.1% to, I think the highest one is you know four or four and a quarter percent. So people who've joined the government recently, they're already paying that much. Okay. What this is proposing is increasing... The rates that people pay up to seven and a quarter percent, right? Once again, wow. I'm not real clear. Wait, on- so you're going to be paying? These people are going to be paying more, a lot more percentage wise, yeah, than they're currently paying for the new lesser benefits. Right. <laughs> I'm just checking. I'm just trying to break this all down into plain English. Well, that's how you get to 143 billion. That is that's how you a, get there. It's not an easy number to okay, get Okay, well, to. here's the... All right. Is there anything else in yeah, the goodie yeah. bag? Come oh, on. my gosh. Did, did we have not even gotten to the cherry on the Sunday? all right? The, the biggest change is coming up next, right? So that's a big impact. You got to contribute more. Here's the big one. Here's the, you know, the, the final blow here. They're recommending eliminating cost of living adjustments for the federal pensions. That one is huge. Right? What that means... We are quickly finding out how they're going to raise almost two-tenths of a trillion dollars here. Right. (laughs) Yeah, they got to chip away at that. (laughs) And this ain't for... If they're going to raise that kind of money as we just figured in just discussing this. Yeah, it's not going to be... It's not by all new people joining. Right. Yeah, I mean, so to, that's a huge one. Yeah, I mean, to put that in perspective, just at at a three percent inflation rate, you would expect your benefits, your your pay, to double, you know, roughly every twenty years or so. Um, so, for somebody who's going to be retired for twenty five, thirty years, you know, you're you're facing a major loss of purchasing power. You know, that's. That's taking away 50% 
of your potential benefit over your lifetime there. So that's a big one. Um, you know. now, now, how they phase this in. Right. I mean, when that's we what say I people who are currently versus new, boy, we're generalizing. You might be already retired, and none of this stuff might affect you. Yeah. You might be, or only a little bit of it, and then you might be still working, not retired, and a lot of it will affect you. Yeah. But I mean, this <laughs> this always reminds me of when people ask us questions, and you can come up with a million different scenarios. I mean. You know, some people will say, well, what, what do I do if Congress gets rid of my federal pension? Gets rid of it. Right. I, and I say, you know, I, I don't want to dismiss your concerns, but I, of all the things to be worried about out there, I, I'm not worried about them getting rid of your pension. I'm more worried about them, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of nickel and diming you. You know, we've talked about the way that they calculate inflation, you know, cutting those, you know, oh, okay, I'm not getting 3%, I'm getting 2%. Right. Ah, that <laughs> right. sucks, but yeah. you go on. We always talked about how they could fudge it. Instead, yeah, they're, not, exactly. they're not fudging it, we're just not giving it. Right. Here's how we're going to fudge it, you don't get any. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I mean, you know, there's their argument is bringing it in line with the private sector that really gets none of this stuff. Right. But here, when you live in this town, you and I are both natives of the mm-hmm. D.C. area, so we've lived here our whole lives, and we know tons of people, not just clients, but people who work for the government. And you, How about most of my family? Right. So you're giving up private sector jobs. So that when you're taking a job in the Fed, and, you're, and most of the people we know, and lots of people who work in the federal government, these are not slouchy people. These are right. highly skilled, highly educated people people they're giving up much higher salaries in the private sector for all the benefits that we just talked about slashing yeah that's a give and take there now it's a give and give (laughs) remember now what also works great for government the administration is (laughs) i like because most of the people listening to this in fact are in the bubble we're in the Washington, D.C. bubble. Most of right. our clients are here. And even if you live somewhere else now and you listen to our show because you moved, because you retired, you still count as being from the bubble. <laughs> Outside the bubble, I can't believe what all these government people get living in Washington, D.C. with their big fat $110,000 salary and all those benefits right. while I'm sitting here in the middle of the country somewhere toiling. Yep. So... With that, and a lot of people would say, you have no idea what you're talking about, Mr. Middle-of-the-country voice guy. That is not your plight of getting your benefits slashed in the middle of the deal is not resonating well with the rest of the United States that isn't uh, on the coast. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, and we clearly live in this Washington, D.C. bubble. Uh, I'll be very curious to see if if this can get any traction because, you know, one thing that we know is that federal employees get very passionate about their benefits and they can be very vocal about anything being taken away from them. Um, So I'd be curious to see if it gets any sort of traction. And, And what I was thinking of earlier was when people will ask things like, Hey, what if my government pension gets taken away? And I 
said, all right, that's not my first concern. But I mean, they'll ask other things. You know, what if there's a nuclear war? What if we see hyperinflation? Or what if, you know, come up with all these different scenarios? And they want a tangible answer like, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to sell this, we're going to buy this, and then everything will work out. And basically, the answer is we've got to have extra income planned in, an extra cushion, so that, yes, if healthcare costs skyrocket by 30% more than we expected over the next decade, you can absorb that. Um, if, you know, whatever happens, you can absorb it. So this falls in that category in my mind of, hey, what if they cut the cost of living adjustment? I've got nothing. I've got no cost of living adjustment. Now that's just my pension. We've got to plan in a lot of extra income there to make up for that because that will erode purchasing power you know, over many years. We'll see. I find it to be exactly what is as advertised. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people don't realize what is as advertised. As advertised, the Republican Party, mm-hmm. their beliefs are if the private sector is strong, if corporations are very strong, and the economy will be very strong. If right. the economy is very strong, everybody, you know, will make more money and will be better off as a country. To do that and within that realm, which may or may not be true. I mean, look at this tax cut. I mean, this is a result to me, this whole proposal is a result of this tax cut. Of course. Yeah. This tax cut may turn out to be just that, it may not. Right. But that's the way, that is the, in my opinion anyway, that's the Republican way is to make the private sector strong. And that within that is is an anti-union sentiment. Mm-hmm. And the government has fallen into that union category. Unions and the government, well, I always never thought of them as the same being from this town, but okay. So that's basically the sentiment. Whereas Democrats in control are whatever, for whatever you want to call it, Mm-hmm. Pro union, right? Pro things like benefits to the government, included now in a category like that, and other things that most of you know what Democrats and Republicans are in favor of. And with Republicans in power, and this happening, this is where this is the road that that goes down. I just don't think it's to me the thing that bothers me the most is you you come into something in your current deal. Right. This is what I was told. This is was supposed to be the deal. And now it's pulled back versus someone who's coming in now knowing what the new playing field is. Yeah, I guess I don't have a problem if they make the changes and say, okay, going forward, this is it. But you pull the rug out from somebody, you know, even if they're 10 or 15 years out from retirement, make a big change like that, you know, that's hard to adjust for kind of, you know, in the middle of your career there. So, all right. Thanks for joining us. We'll check back in next week. 